Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Mickey Badlamenti, discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. Our goal in the messages we share is to consistently present God's truth in ways that will challenge you, bring you new perspective, and ultimately lead you into closer relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you in your faith. We also welcome you to visit us anytime you're in the Detroit area. Our Sunday services are at 9 and 11 a.m. and include a full range of children's programs, as well as a ministry specifically for children with special needs. Find us on Facebook or visit our website at rockpoint.org for more information. One of the things that's been really great about this church over the years is not only have we not only had not only strife and things like that of any kind, but um, with rare exception, our former staff members and those who've served as pastors here, we've been in close relationship over the years and have had them back and visiting and have supported them over the time. One of those is here with us today, Kent and Erica Chevalier, uh, came from Pittsburgh. Our youth pastors here for a number of years returned to Pittsburgh. Um, and for the last number of years, I think five or so, uh, they have been the chaplains, full-time chaplains, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, every time we have them at this time of year, it's always a roll of the dice whether the Steelers get in the playoffs or not, and there's always a lot of prayer going on on both sides, and the righteous have prevailed over the last several years, <laughs> and they have been here. Now, the Steelers are a great organization. They're obviously a wonderful team, and um, you know, to try to take advantage of the moment that they're not in and we are in would just... (laughs) But then again, it should be pointed out that um, they're not in the playoffs and we are. have had this jersey for 40 years. (laughs) And I should notice, just so we make sure this is fully, you know, biblical, um, there is oftentimes mentioned a Lion of Judah. There are no Buccaneers of Benjamin, ever. Okay. So with all that in mind, I will say this, though, and I'm going to let Ken share it, though I'm going to take credit for it. I'm going to let him share it. But uh, he who laughs last, laughs best. And um, I'm amazingly bitter. He'll share the reason why. I take credit for it, but he'll share the reason why. Would you please, very warmly welcome, good friend, Kent Chevalier. Well, good morning, everybody. I love that I'm here, and I hate that I'm here. I love seeing all of you, our Rock Point family, but man, it means that the Steelers aren't in the playoffs. But, um, you know, here's the interesting thing. Randy puts us up in the same hotel every time that we're here, that Erica and I come, and we just love being here. But last night, we realized that we were actually staying at the Buccaneers team hotel. So check this out. So Erica and I, the the privilege that we have to walk alongside these NFL players and coaches and their wives and their families, we just love because people are all over the country now. And it was wild because I, when I realized that, oh my goodness, we're at the Bucks Hotel, I texted Matt and I said, bro, are you here? Like, is this the team hotel? And here, Matt and Julie Filer, who play for the Buccaneers, right? They were at the hotel and we got to see them last night. 
It was awesome. And they used to be former Steelers. So it was amazing, right? So now here's the thing. So if that's not good enough, man, just being here is awesome for us. I love you guys. I love Rock Point, our church family. And, and, and so this morning at breakfast, as we're getting ready to come and we're excited and we, we had a flight out later this afternoon during the game and everything, I get a text and it's from a person who used to play for the Steelers, now plays for the Detroit Lions. And so he said on the text, hey, PK, Pastor Kent, hey, PK, I, I heard you're in Detroit, so I've got two tickets to, for you for the game today. Are you kidding me? So, like, I just want to thank all of you for praying us in so that we could come to the game today, right? And I just want to thank Randy for nothing. No, no. I'm just joking. No, he always puts us up in that hotel. This was awesome. So this weekend just keeps getting better and better and better. This is awesome. I love you all. It's so good to be here with you today. My wife, Erica, is here with me right here. And I want to start out today's sermon by saying this. Um, Erica and I, when we were first dating, we're going to celebrate 25 years of marriage here in the next couple of months. And we're, uh, when we were first dating, you know, when in college kids, I went on staff that following summer of my freshman year at a place called Camp of the Woods, and I went on teen staff there. And uh, so when I was there, it, Erica was in uh, Pittsburgh, and I was in Speculator, New York. And the camp is positioned on this amazing lake. It's called Lake Pleasant. Doesn't that sound amazing? And so this camp, and so I worked on teen staff there, and then on the weekends, I would work as a boat boy, taking all of the luggage to and from the island where the camp was from. And so Erica, she couldn't be without me for a whole summer. So she decided with a friend to take the Greyhound bus to come up and see me, a nine-hour-plus drive to get to see me in Speculator, New York. Now, this is before Uber. This is before all kinds of things. And, and so... I'm a poor college kid. What am I going to do? I'm trying to be romantic. I'm trying to impress her. So I'm thinking, what can I do on campus, you know, of this camp? Like, what could I do to impress her? Go on a little date. So I decided, since I had the keys to the boathouse, that I would take out a canoe. And I would take Erica out. And so we, we put the life vests on, safety first, everybody, <laughs> right? But we push out onto Lake Pleasant, and we start flirting. We haven't seen each other for a long time. And so she's splash, splash. And I'm like, all right, splash, splash, <laughs> right? I'm going to take it up a level here. So, you know, it's naturally me. But, like, there, there's boats going by. And how many of you know that when you're in a canoe, the, you know, the canoe goes like this and all that? Well, I'm so, like, into splashing her that I don't realize that there's a boat that's coming by. And all of a sudden, this wonderful date, it's romantic, we're flirting with each other, and all of a sudden, boom, the canoe flips upside down on Lake Pleasant, right? And so all of a sudden, I'm realizing I'm going to get in trouble. I, I'm, all of this, everything's sinking to the bottom of Lake Pleasant, Right, The oars are floating, and I'm like, Erica, you're just going to have, we're about 300 yards off, you're going to have to swim back to shore with the oars. And I, you, know, you know how they teach you or they say that it's going to work, that if you just get underneath the canoe and you're supposed to just flip it over, it doesn't work. <laughs> so the boat was sinking, 
right? The canoe is sinking. And I'm like, I'm going to get in trouble if this canoe goes all the way down. I'm going to have to, they're going to take it out of my paycheck. So I have to push the canoe, swim, 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 push the canoe, swim 300 yards. By the time that I get to the shore, I'm exhausted. Eric is there just waiting for me. A crowd of people now have gathered, right, because they're like, ooh, you know. Well, as I come up out of the mucky water, leeches all over my legs and my belly, Lake Pleasant. So what was this awesome little date day turned into a flipped over canoe, an awful day on the lake. So as I read this passage of scripture, the disciples of Jesus, they've just had an incredible day with Jesus. He's been teaching large crowds, incredible miracles they are witnessing right in front of them. And Jesus has an idea, let's go on the lake. And then they hit this. Take a look. If you have your uh, Bible apps or your paper Bible, Mark 4, I'm going to be in. Mark 4, 35, coming up on the screens as well. Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. Jesus has got a vision, right? Let's go. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And then all of a sudden, a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? So he woke up and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why? Are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And look at this. They were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, who in the world is this guy? That even the wind and the sea obey him. And as we read that just now, I'm wondering if there might be anybody here today who has asked that question or who is currently asking that question of God, do you not care? I mean, can't you see me down here, man? I'm what I'm going through. I mean, I'm taking on water. Can't you do something about this, God? These circumstances are breaking in on me. The waves are beating at my boat. I have debt that's filling up this boat and it's starting to sink. This relationship is taking on water. I don't know if it's going to last. Do you not care, God? I've been asking recently, God, the the lions made it further than the Steelers. Do you not care? (laughs) See, in one way or another, I believe we've all asked this question or are here today and are currently asking this question. So I want to wade through this passage today. And there's some things that I have seen in here about Jesus that I think we need to learn about him today. And there's some things that because of what we're going to learn about Jesus, our response to it and how we should face adversity when it feels like God just doesn't care. So the first thing that I see in here, if you're a note-taking person, you might want to start taking notes. Take a look at this. Jesus reveals more of who he is in the middle of the storm. 
See, it's usually, right, in the middle of our adversity, in our challenges, in our crises, where we see and we recognize who God really is. But here's the thing. He's been the same all along. It's just that our eyes were opened to our need for him in that moment. See, Jesus was not surprised by this storm. He's asleep. He's at peace. He's at rest. He knew that it was coming. And when he knows it's coming, he's prepared for it because he can overcome it, right? One of the cool things about my job, everybody, um, is that I get to sit in team meetings with the Steelers. And I get to um, learn from Coach Mike Tomlin, who might be one of the finest communicators on the planet. It's like a master's class in leadership the first few minutes of his team meetings. And so if guys are paying attention and they're taking notes, there are these little nuggets of gold about leadership and life before he starts talking about football. And one day he was just talking about life. And he said this, and I quote, pressure is constant. You're either applying it or you're feeling it. So when it comes to our adversity, our challenges, our storms in life, check this out. Sometimes we create our own storms, right? We're applying the storm to our own life. We get ourselves into trouble. And then we have the audacity, God, why did you do this? And he's like, time out, throw the, throw the challenge flag. He's like, I didn't do that, you did. Don't blame it on me. But then there are times when life does get thrust upon us. We didn't do anything to deserve that. And it's just the pressure of life that comes our way. Storms, challenges, adversities. What Coach T is teaching and what this passage is showing us is that storms are just a part of life. They are. And friends, I don't know how this happened in the American church. Not sure. But there is a false teaching out there today in the church in some circles That basically, that when you follow Jesus, when you surrender your life to him, then all of a sudden, everything is going to be up and to the right. That like, this idea that when you give your life to Jesus, you're going to get a bigger paycheck. That you're going to get a bigger house. You're going to get a better car. You're going to get better grades. This is known as the prosperity gospel. And it's a false gospel. And and we need to understand that the prosperity preachers, they obviously didn't read this passage because the disciples here, they're so rattled by this storm, they think they're going to die. Doesn't sound too prosperous to me. And Jesus knew this. And Jesus is not rattled at all. So what does Jesus do? So he woke up from his power nap and he flexed his power. See, here's the thing, his omnipotence, this is a theological term that is meaning that God is all powerful. And here these guys in this moment, in the middle of their storm, they get to experience a piece of who Jesus really is, a part of his nature that they've never experienced before. And they see Jesus flex his supernatural power, but here's the thing, this is just him. This is his M.O. 
But it took this awful storm, this circumstance, to open their eyes to a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. It took the storm to reveal the power. And the same can be true for you and me. When we get flipped over in life, experiencing the storms of life, that's the first thing I think, see about Jesus. He reveals more of who he is in the middle of the storm. The second thing I see about Jesus is that he speaks peace into the storm. We sang about it today. Just one word. So with just one word, the chaos died. Did you see it? The lake was still. The supernatural power that Jesus has is astounding still today. With one word, the storms obeyed him. That is powerful. And the disciples had said they were filled with such fear at that moment. Who is this guy that even the winds and the waves obey him? They're freaking out like, whoa. Either they're like, this is awesome. I don't know. Like, just imagine that moment. Now at this point, remember, so important when you study the scriptures, you know the context. At this point, about a year and a half to two years, they had been following Jesus hearing him teach, seeing the miracles performed, watching him interact with the crowd. So is it possible that it took this storm for them to experience the power of Jesus for themselves? They'd seen a whole bunch of for other people, but for themselves. And to experience the Prince of Peace on a whole new level because of this storm. And here's the Prince of Peace just asleep on a pillow, completely at rest. Here's why. Because when you are at peace in the middle of the chaos, you can't help but bring peace to the chaos. And Jesus is peace. He speaks peace. He brings peace into the storm. And so as you and I, we attach ourselves to Jesus, he gives us himself he gives us peace. He speaks peace into your adversity, into your chaos, into your broken body, into your financial situation, into your relationship trouble. He speaks himself into it. But I need you to see something. This is, this is wild. He doesn't take them out of the water. Did you see that? He doesn't supernaturally. He could have flexed his supernatural muscles and just lifted that boat to the shore. He didn't do it. He speaks peace in that moment, and he is with them in that boat in the middle of the lake, and they still have to row, row, row their boat. So what does this mean for you and me? It's one thing to know these things about Jesus and to even have experienced these things about Jesus, but what does it mean for us? Three things I think that I see in here. Number one is that we can trust Jesus to calm our storms. We can trust Jesus. Remember, Jesus has the power with just one word to change the storm. With the adversity that we face in life, though, if you're like me, most of the time, I only trust myself. Anybody else? <laughs> Anybody else? You, you say things like, uh, uh, last time I went through something like this, 
We, tr- we trust even our past experiences or other people that have gone through things like this. But we don't ask for help. We say things like, I got this. I'm fine. I'll fix this. I'll work harder. I don't need help. But I think we need to learn from Jesus' disciples here of what did they do. Because I want you to know about these, some of these disciples. They are experienced fishermen. They know storms. This is nothing new to them. However, in this particular storm, even those guys think they're going to die. And they're, they're freaking out. Sometimes in life, everybody, there are storms that we just don't have a category for. And there's no playbook. There's no self-help book. There's no YouTube video. There's no Google search that's going to be able to help us fix our way out of it. Only Jesus has the power to calm those kind of uncategorical storms that you and I face. When we face that kind of adversity that we don't have a category for in this life, you are not going to be able to rely on your own strength and your own effort and your past experiences. We must learn to rely on his supernatural strength and peace that he gives to us when life is knocking us upside down. Only Jesus can handle those kind of storms and adversity in our lives. The second thing that I see in here about us is that we can trust Jesus to deliver us through the storms. Now, notice I didn't say deliver us from the storms. Through the storms. If you're like me, most of us in the room, we just want out of it. Like, God, get me out of this. Like, take it away. Like, fix all this, God. But friends, that's not how God works all the time. Why? Because he's good. And he wants us to learn something about him and also about ourselves. See, even when Jesus speaks peace and he calms the storm, they're still in the middle of the lake. And Jesus didn't remove them from the water, and he never promised. It doesn't go on to say that he said, no storm will ever come your way again. He doesn't say that. He gives them peace in the middle of the raging storm, but they still had to row their boat. See, many of us, we want God to just remove us from the situation so that we can move on in life with peace. But I need you to hear this because when I wrote this sentence down, like, I feel like this is for somebody today. Sometimes God will not take you out of it because of what he wants to put into you. See, God never promises to remove the storms from our life, but he does promise that he'll be with us and get us through the storm. Jesus got his disciples through one of the worst storms that they had ever seen in their lives. And the same can be true for you and me when we come to Jesus. But for that to happen, we have to do something. This very last piece, this is for somebody today. For us to experience it, we must come to Jesus to experience peace. Let me unpack this. See, when the disciples realized When they were in way over their heads, what did they do? They came to Jesus. I'd imagine they were trying all kinds of things to row, 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 row their boat to the other, and they just couldn't. When they realized they were over their heads, wake up, Jesus, right? And Jesus is at complete peace. 
See, when they came to Jesus, they had an experience that transformed their life. A jaw-dropping, oh my goodness, life-changing, life-transformational experience when they came to Jesus. And the same can be true for you and me. When you come to Jesus, especially in adversity, here's what I know. You will experience peace. Why? Because he is peace. He's the prince of peace. And the scriptures call it, you will experience a peace that passes all understanding. That in the middle of the chaos, all around you, you can be good. That you don't have to be tossed to and fro with the waves. Even though they're going, you can say, I'm good. That's the kind of peace that passes all understanding. I'm talking to somebody today. Somebody in here has been for so long trying to fix your problems on your own. You've been doing it your way. You haven't been asking for help. You've not been coming to Jesus. You may be hanging around the boat, but you haven't come to Jesus in the boat. And if you are honest with yourself today, when you place your head on the pillow at night, you do not have peace in your life. How do I know your mind races? The things that you've got going, uh, 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 it's all on me. The pressure's on me. The pressure's on me. Uh. If you want to experience true peace, it is only available through the Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus. And as the saying goes, no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. And some of you know exactly what that feels like. Jesus is the master teacher. And he wakes up from his power nap and he leverages this storm as a teachable moment for his disciples. And he uses this adversity of this storm to teach them something not only about who he is, not only about who they are and the peace that they can experience because of him, but he wants to show them something about just how broken this world is. Another place in the Gospel of John, Jesus is recorded as saying this, I have said these things to you that, excuse me, let me start over. I've said these things to you that in me, say that with me, in me you may have peace. Because in the world, you're going to have all kinds of tribulation, all kinds of financial trouble, all kinds of relationship trouble, all kinds of bodily, like our bodies betray us, right? Like we, we're going to experience all kinds of trouble. But what does Jesus say? Take heart. Take on courage. Be encouraged. Because why? I, Jesus said, have overcome the world. He's saying that he's the only one who has over any, he's the only one who has ever overcome the brokenness of this world. He's overcome sin on our behalf. He's overcome death so that we could experience eternal life. Jesus, in his power, has overcome. And it's in him and experiencing his peace that we can also overcome any adversity that comes our way. Why? Because Jesus has already overcome the world. And when we place our faith and our trust in him, we can experience the same thing. Now, as a pastor and who's been, I've been in ministry for 25 years. 
Last five of that in the, in the NFL with Erica. And um, I have seen a lot of people come to me, and it's a part of the job, but they just basically dump truck their adversity and their challenges and their problems and all this stuff onto me as the pastor. Randy, you know what this is like. You know, Mickey, we, Jim, you, you know what this is like. And we love it. It's a part of the call. Right? And, and, and I know some of the adversity that I have seen other people go through. Here's what I know about this group that's gathered here today. I know in a room this size, some of you are coming in absolutely defeated. You are going through something that you don't know if you're going to make it through. And I just want to say to you this morning, I get it. 100% I get it. Some of you know this, in November 2020, my brother got COVID and he died tragically. And it was awful. Like, I hate COVID. And I didn't know if I was gonna make it through my brother's death. It was awful. We couldn't even gather as a family to remember his life because of all the stupid protocols. But if that wasn't bad enough, I mean, that was, that was awful to experience my brother's death. If that wasn't worse, a week later, the NFL called. And they said that because of the tiering system and the NFL protocols, I was no longer welcome in the building. And so it was like a one-two punch. It went from bad to worse and went from worse to wor worser. It was awful. And I didn't know if I was going to make it through it. Like I battled some serious waves of depression. Erica will tell you like, I scared her. I scared myself. The things that were coming into my mind and the things that I was thinking like it wasn't me. And so I didn't know how I was going to make it through 2020 and 2021 as I battled these waves of grief and shame and just horror. But here I stand. By the grace of God, only by the grace of God. And the reason I share that with you today is because I know that there is somebody here that you need to hear this. You're going to make it. Whatever you brought in here, you're going to make it. I stand up here so broken, but also really confident. Because I believe that I have a mission today. I believe that I've been sent here today to tell somebody this. It's going to get worse before it gets better. I know for you it is realized that it is hard to see through the middle of the storm, but I know you're going to make it through. How can I be certain of this? How can I be sure of this? Because I know God, and I know that God is for you, and God loves you, and he has the best in mind for you. He didn't bring you this far so that he could just drop you in the water. God wants the best for you, and I also know God's promises. His promise is that no weapon formed against you will prosper. I know that his promise is his provision that you're stressing about if you're going to be able to provide for your family. Fella, that job description is already taken by God. 
Jehovah Jireh, your provider. It's on him to provide for your family. And he knows everything that you need. And his promise is to give you everything that you need. You are more valuable than a bird. He loves you that much. He sees you in your boat. And not only, here's what I know. I know who's in your boat because you have an incredible church family that is rowing on the same mission with you. And you've got incredible people around you who will help you if you reach out to them for some help because Randy and Renee and the team and the staff, they did it for us. When Erica's dad died, they traveled all the way to Pittsburgh to be with us. You've got incredible people who are rowing in your boat. And then I know this, Jesus is in your boat. Jesus is in your boat. And he is not phased. He's not surprised by your circumstances. And if you come to him, I know that he will give you himself the Prince of Peace, and he will calm your storm. He will help lead you to the help that you need. Why? Because he did it for me. And he did it for the people who are around you. And I know that he will do it for you. How can I be certain of all this? How do I, how do I stand up here confident that that is true for you? It's because it's in God's word. It's never changing. And I love this. Everybody, you got to lean in with me. This last minute of this sermon is why I believe that I was sent here today. See, when we study the scriptures, it's often in our Bible reading plans that when we come to the end of a chapter like we just read, Mark 35, right? And we come to the end of that chapter, usually the reading plans are done and we close our Bibles. You realize that the Bible was never written with chapters and verses, And so I'm about to encourage somebody today because when you turn the page, when you turn the page to Mark 5, I love this. And there's somebody who needs to hear this. There's somebody who this is going to become your mantra for the year. This is going to speak to somebody who is going through so much adversity right now, who's going through a little bit of adversity right now. This is going to be for you today, somebody, everybody, you need to see this. See, I believe that Randy, not even knowing what I was going to preach today, he invited me to come for somebody today for Mark 5.1 alone. Check this out. When you turn the page to this historical eyewitness document of Jesus that Mark wrote down, look what it says in Mark 5.1. This is for somebody. They came to the other side. Let that rest. They came to the other side. That's for somebody here today. I don't know what you got going on in your physical body. I don't know what you got going on in your finances. I don't know what you got in your upside down business right now, but here's what I know. They came to the other side. And the same Jesus that was in their boat is the same Jesus that's in your boat. And he sees you in that diagnosis. He sees you in that financial situation. He sees you and he's with you and he's going to get you to the other side. Say it with me. Say it with me. They came to the other side. Say it with me. They came to the other side. Say it with me. They came to the other side. That is a word for somebody today. And I traveled all the way from Pittsburgh. The Steelers lost. 
so that you could simply hear that encouraging word. Take it. Somebody needs to get a tattoo of it. I don't know what it is, but this is your word. Take it and let me seal it in a word of prayer. So God, in this moment, I know that there are people who are hurting. There are people who are struggling. There are people who are scared. And God, I pray, I pray that you would help them recognize today that you are right there with them. And that Mark 5.1 would be their cry, would be their goal, would be their faith declaration today that they will, too, make it to the other side. We love you, Lord. Thank you for this time. Amen. Love you all. And I've been a fan for a long time, and I, I hope they win today. I do. I, I, I wore this shirt today. I, I usually wear it on Super Bowl Sunday. It's Team Scotland. I wear it on Super Bowl Sunday because we're never there. So I wear it as kind of a protest. I wore it today hoping to break the curse. So I hope they win, but it's going to be interesting. If, if they win, people are going to be elevated. If they lose, people are going to be depressed. They're going to base the rest of their week and, and so much on fame that is so fleeting. Our faith is not in Coach Dan Campbell. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. And what that means is whether win or lose, whether storms are present, whether whoever wins a political office or does not, does not shape our disposition. Our faith is in Christ. And so whatever process you're going through, realize that. And realize that he's with you in the boat. And that you will make it to the other side. Now as we conclude this, um, I just want to say how proud we are of... Uh, Kent and Erica, and thank you guys for being here and being part of things. For the relationship that has gone on now for quite some time and hopefully continues on. I am struck by the scripture that says, Greater love hath no man that he would lay down his life for his brother. I think giving up two tickets would be the least <laughs> that a person could do. That a true man of God, uh, filled with his Holy Spirit, would consider something like that. But I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I, I hope they have a great time. Honestly, I think that's a fantastic deal. I feel bad letting the air out of their tires. Um, I, I, isn't that cool, though? I mean, of all things, that they're in that hotel and then have the opportunity to go down there and link again with some other players and to do all that, I think that's fantastic. Guys, God is just cool to give us all sorts of fun, you know, in the middle of our time. As you leave this place, there'll be those that'll come up forward here, and they'll be available for prayer. If you'd like to have prayer, they'll pray with you. But as you go forward, win or lose, you're a winner, and God stands with you. Father, I pray your grace upon Kent and Erica and their family. Um, we pray for the city, but, but Father, right now we give you thanks God, we give you thanks that whatever storms may come, whatever things that we think are insurmountable, that, that initially panic us and toss us into confusion, that we would stop, turn around, and see who's in the boat with us. 
that we'd have faith and that we'd quiet our spirit and let your Holy Spirit guide and strengthen us and teach us whatever it is that you need to teach us in this season of time. We commit these things into your hands, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. God bless you. See you next week.